Mostly why people oppose it, if they oppose it, is one of two things. Either they don't know what it is, they don't understand it yet. So you can help them understand and help them see the benefit for them in it. And the other other uh, option is that they had experience with agility in the past, what they call agility, um, but it wasn't really agile. Welcome to the New Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech, unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you are here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Hello and welcome to our today's episode. Today my guest is Matthias Orgler and our topic of today is more than agile. Hi Matthias. Hello. Great to be here. Good to hear you. How are you today? I'm actually very fine. I had a nice breakfast, some exercise this morning and now I'm doing that wonderful podcast interview to tell people something about how agility really works. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining yeah, as our topic today is more than agile, why are you here today? I heard you have some experience, but can you give me a little bit of a background? I have a little experience with agility, yes. Um, I, I started with that whole agile journey uh, 20 years ago, 20, 21 years ago. That was a time when nobody talked about agile, but, but a few nerds, <laughs> a few software developers. And the big companies, they didn't want to hear about it. So we used it, but we didn't tell them that we used it. It, it just worked. So Matthias, what is it? <laughs> it's some magic dust you sprinkle on a, on a business and then everything works. At least this is the view that many managers have today. Not only managers, many people actually think that it's some kind of magic thing that you apply somehow, you implement it, and then you're agile. But that's far from the truth. So we want to dive deeper into this. It's um, what I've experienced is that many people see Agile as these frameworks that you do or you have certain, certain, you do Scrum, you have product owners, you have Scrum masters, you have a backlog, you use user stories instead of use cases or requirements documents. And they think that this is what makes agility and what makes them Agile. And not only Agile, most companies don't want to be Agile, but they want the results that agility promises to deliver. Faster time to market, higher quality, more employee satisfaction, and all the stuff, um, better innovation. And um, that's not, that doesn't work like that, um, sadly. Because I'm also sensed, yeah, a lot of people want innovation with this agility, agile framework, and other people want to have successful projects. Because I read there's so many projects that fail, either increased budget, increased timeline, so slipping the timeline, something doesn't work the way it was intended, and then at the end you have a product in the wrong language, uh, or not in the anticipated language, and then after three months of, of use of, for example, a new software, you realize uh, only 10% only of the employees are using it. So a lot of discrepancies. So more and more people coming up with the Agile framework or becoming an Agile coach over the last, yeah, three to four years? Yeah, I've seen many Agile coaches uh, 
peer or many companies who were not agile before and now promise to do agile advisory, agile consulting, agile coaching, like all the, the, the big consulting companies, they jumped the train. And yeah, it's actually, it's nice to see that this way of thinking became mainstream over the last couple of years. But it's also, it's also sad to see how many people don't understand it and, and teach it to others while they themselves don't understand it. And uh, that, that's actually something that, that's, that, that's my mission to change. I mean, my mission is to, to help people really become agile and companies really become agile and to educate more great agile coaches so that, um, that they can really help people and not just tell them about a framework they read in a book. Got it, got it. So what do you feel has changed over time? You said 20 years ago, a bunch of geeks came together and decided that this might be a cool concept to go forward. Yeah. Um, so what has changed is, in my experience back then, I, I wasn't there in Utah in 2001 when they had they created the Agile Manifesto. Uh, I've talked to a few of the, the authors of the Agile Manifesto since, but my first contact was 2003. So it was still a nerd thing. And, and it was more a grassroots movement. It was the, the developers, mostly software developers, who were not very satisfied with the way projects went. You, you mentioned it. You have a budget. You always or almost always went over budget. Timelines slipped. Um, in the end, few people ever used the thing. And it was always too expensive, too late, and too little. Uh, and the quality sucked <laughs> in, in many of these products. So that's, uh, they weren't satisfied with that. It, it was their profession, their craftsmanship as software developers. They wanted to, to do better. And then they got together and identified the, the few projects that went better. What, what did they do different? And it was grassroots. It was mostly the developers or the team members promoting this. And management didn't want to hear about it. There was no no concept of business agility. We didn't have the lean startup stuff yet. I mean, I was, I was working in Silicon Valley in 2004, 2005. So there was no lean startup yet, but obviously we were doing this. Companies were doing this lean startup, but we didn't have a name for it. And uh, agility was still pretty much just the delivery thing the, the, um, or the but it was never just the delivery thing, but it was it was confined to the teams and the developers. It was grassroots, and then slowly after a few years, it became more and more accepted. A few companies were very successful with it, and nowadays it's it's mainstream. It's the way to go. Everybody, you need to be agile to survive. Um, at least that's how many companies perceive it, and probably some truth to that. But nowadays, it's not a grassroots movement. It's nowadays, it's it's um, introduced from the management top down to the people. So managers, people leading departments or CEOs approach me or approach other coaches and say, okay, make us agile. And um, then the the people actually doing the work, <laughs> they are they are not always persuaded. So they, they think, okay, agility, this is just some, some new trend that management puts onto us and we, we, have to, we have to follow it. 
we don't understand it. So it's not a it's not a bottom up thing anymore, but it's a top down thing. And the teams that once promoted agility because they they wanted to have a better way of working are now the ones opposing it because it comes from management and they don't they, they are not even prepared in many cases. Like they, the management told us we have to do Scrum, mm-hmm. um, but they don't understand it, and they and they didn't ask for it. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's just a general change management thing. You shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't just tell people what to do. That's the opposite of agile. That's super interesting to hear this this kind of change. And I can imagine some individuals come together as as geeks and think, "Hey, we don't like that. Hey, how about we?" work together in this kind of sense. And then collaboration is born, a heart share is born because they want to be successful together. And then it doesn't even matter what management on top is going forward. As long as the results are fine, that that sounds like a perfect plan. And then once it worked, it was introduced into the Silicon Valley area. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that you were around and it's super interesting and exciting to see that people adopted it and and it was probably adopted by friends because they heard of it and not rather from, oh, management heard of it. Now we have to cope, adjust and, and copy the style of working together. And now a couple of years later, we have this framework, pretty much like a project Bible that you have to work by it and (laughs) and not everyone heard of it before and now it's this management thing we have to implement to be successful and it's it lost heart share and it's not working as intended anymore because not everyone is on board or different motivations and i want to talk a little bit about it because what has agile coaching to do with mindset would be my next question to you yeah, the the mindset word. I think it's very important, but I've also come to not use it that much anymore because it's with all the mainstream success, it has become kind of an empty shell of a word for many. Are we talking about mindset or are we talking about agile? Mindset. Minds and agile, both. <laughs> both new but new buzzwords you don't use anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Uh I mean mindset is important. It, it it's actually what's meant by that is that what makes agility work, what makes you agile and, and gives you the success, the innovation, the time to market, the, the employee satisfaction, all the stuff is not a certain framework, a certain role, certain processes you follow, but it's the mindset. And that is true. That is still true. Uh, the problem is that many people nowadays, when they teach about agility, they talk about the mindset, they whip out the Agile Manifesto, uh, tell you a few values, and that's it. That was the mindset. <laughs> and obviously that that doesn't cut it. Because mindset is, it has to do with your inner values, with your habits, how you how you act. And in my opinion, it has to do a lot with your view of the human being, how you view other human beings and the world in general. And that is nothing you just change or understand by looking at a piece of paper Uh or listening to a few values. You really have to dive deeper into your understanding. How do you see other human beings? 
and then understand, do you want to change that? And if so, how can you change that? And then you need coaches, you need guidance on the way to change that, to slowly change that view of the human being, if you are ready to do that. And this is, in my opinion, too often neglected in agile transformations and in all the agile stuff that we see out there. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned about the three-step method, consume content or consume these frameworks, then adjust and do your work according to them, and then look back at certain KPIs and match whether you reach them. So I was hearing the Agile Manifesto, it's kind of the content you present to people, then they adjust or, or try it out accordingly. But this is only one step in the execution. The other step is rethinking of or rewiring values, habits, and all that. Um, we didn't want to use mindset anymore. Is there any other new buzzword you want to implement here? No, I'm, I'm fine with mindset. I'm just very aware that mindset is... Um, many people just shut off when you mention the term time mindset because they heard it so <laughs> often and they just think, basically think of the Agile Manifesto, the, the, the website um, and, and the, yeah, the things that are mentioned there as the mindset. But that is not the mindset. This is a very great condensation of, of, of great thinking. But mindset, as you said, the important part is where, how can you change yourself? How you can, can you adopt that? How can you really see your business or other people in your business differently? You cannot tell someone, trust your team, trust your leader, trust your employees. You could tell that to people, but it wouldn't change anything. In my experience, it never changed anything when I did that for the last two decades. <laughs> so it's, it's very important to, to guide people there. There's, there's a lot of stuff from different fields that's not just from, from, from business. There's a lot of psychology. There's a lot of coaching involved. Um, you have to first understand why people wor and companies work a certain way today because it was successful for them in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and now you're telling them that was wrong and they should change or they should just negate what they've been believing all their life. Uh, th that's not going to work. You cannot just tell people, trust your employees. That's not going to change anything. I've seen managers, bosses, even CEOs stand in front of their company and telling them, yeah, we now have a failure culture. Mistakes are okay. You need to make mistakes. And, and this is a great way to go. And we have to be innovative and we trust you. And at the first opportunity, they showed that they don't believe in these values. Like I, I've had, I've had examples where they told the the teams, okay, we, we trust you. You you do the stuff, you do the magic, you know what you do, which is a good intention. This this is what we want. Um, and then the, the development team they did something, and the developer complained, hey, my my machine, my laptop is too uh, too slow. I cannot compile the stuff. It takes it takes uh, half an hour to compile the stuff. Uh, I need a faster machine. And um, he had to jump through hoops for weeks fill out forms and get uh, permission to get a faster laptop. So that was screaming at him. The, the actions were screaming at him. We don't trust you. We don't trust you enough to get a, uh, I don't know, $2,000 uh, laptop. <laughs> you're, you're probably costing more a day than, than that laptop. But 
we don't trust you. Even though the manager might have told him with words, with the actions, they did the opposite. And that's that's just traditional leadership advice. It's you, you have to walk the talk, practice what you preach. That is important. And that is much more difficult to not only preach the agile mindset and the values, but to also uh, model them and live them and show people that you actually do that. Admit mistakes yourself. Be vulnerable. Go first. Don't tell people to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. So agility is, to me, it's not just a framework or something. It's much more. Some people might know that as, as just general leadership advice or basically a way to look at life. <laughs> it sounds super interesting. But I'm still stuck with the content to execution transition. And mm -hmm. we are not at the KPIs yet. Yes. So <laughs> a lot of people say here, boom, here's the Bible of manifestos about agile coaching. Yeah. Read everything or here are the top 10, 10 points and now execute. How do you deliver the idea in a way that people start listening? Because I was a lot of, uh -huh. I was hearing a lot of a resistance, specifically when it comes from top down. Nonetheless, a company wants to implement it or managers want to implement sure. it. And you say now, ah, top down doesn't work, but they still want to give this navigation to the people. So how do you make it work? Yeah. I mean, it's still a good thing. Mostly why people oppose it, if they oppose it, is one of two things. Either they don't know what it is, they don't understand it yet. So you can help them understand and help them see the benefit for them in it. And the other other uh, option is that they had experience with agility in the past, what they call agility, um, but it wasn't really agile. Th that second one is a big problem today because so many people came in contact with things that were called agile, but were not agile. The, the What I said, um, the, the many companies who just tried to implement a framework and just, they don't change their mindset, but they just implement the framework and then call that agile. And of course, employees who might not, or people who are involved in that and don't know nothing about agile, they think that this is really what agile is about, just renaming a project manager to a product owner <laughs> and then doing the same crap all over again. And of course, they don't believe in it anymore. And there is a little more work uh, in helping these people understand that what they experienced before may not have been agility at all. So it's first clarity and rephrasing their definition. It's their definition. I mean, it's the definition on all levels. It's if management hires you to, um, to uh, implement agility, that's what they call it. Um, the first thing would obviously be to clarify with them what is agility to you. Because there are, there are different definitions out there, what they think it is. And um, you have to clarify what agility actually is and what it is not. Because it's not just some simple magic dust you sprinkle onto it with a few processes and roles, and then everything works faster and cheaper. Uh, that's not what it is. Um, agility doesn't mean faster. Agility means agile flexible. You can you can react to change. You can react to change faster, but that doesn't mean you move faster. So that's something that management needs to understand. And then the, the people who might come in contact with that and have no 
choice but to to adopt it they need to understand that it's actually a different view of the human being that it's actually a, a better way to work and to deal with others because it has to do a lot with trust and with communication and with having an environment in which you can be vulnerable which frankly is not the case in in so many teams and so many companies out there and that is once people understand that then it's actually a good thing a, a big opposition you can get when you do an agile transformation in a company is the uh, workers council because they have to um, make sure that employees are not exploited so when they hear about agility coming from top down they fear they fear the transparency which is actually supposed to be a good thing but they if it's abused they fear it as a bad thing and they think they need to or they they feel they need to protect the employees and so it's important for an agile coach to work with the workers council if you have one immediately help them understand that it's actually beneficial for employees and then you have them as an ally to actually implement agility in the right way so that it can actually work that perspective is super interesting because i also see this happening with software as a service solutions where you have to or you need the workers council on board specifically in germany oh, yeah. in other countries that's probably different but it's a nice aspect to also put this into perspective so we moved from content to execution and that it is a phase that takes time in the people's minds to adjust and to accept um, it even starts with the rephrasing of what do you see in agile coaching or the agile manifesto framework because yeah there are a lot of other people than experts uh, in the market uh -huh. that preach something there um moving from content to kpis like tracking success uh -huh. And I don't want to have this Bible success now because it's way too big <laughs> to comprehend. And I guess a lot of people get overwhelmed with, okay, these are the 20 KPIs we move forward with. Um, <laughs> so taking the baby steps with content yep. and execution and slowly realizing, hey, it might make sense for us and for our company to use. What are the KPIs you track to show we're moving into the right direction? Um, there are different sets of KPIs um, that you can track. I mean, obviously, what you want is the results you expect. If that is customer satisfaction, if that is innovation, if that's market share, if that's revenue growth, um, this is stuff you want to track. M most companies actually track customer satisfaction because that's still a lagging indicator, but you can track it before revenue growth and, and, and stuff usually. Obviously, you have to have an eye on these because this is the reason why we do it. Or churn rate of employees. I've seen many companies who do that because they they uh, have a lot of em employee churn. Um, so yeah, and you can track employee satisfaction and that with self assessments. Although they are, as we know, self assessment. If it's not a trusting, uh, psychologically safe environment, then you cannot rely on self assessments. Okay. Got it. These are the big KPIs. Um, and I do understand that companies, well, in the ultimate, uh, implement these kind of models to run the main KPIs that run the, the company. Right. But to make sure that we're using the framework and the idea uh -huh. in the right way, uh, what are the 
things you monitor in this direction, for yep. example. Ah, uh, your deadline slipped here. Was that due to using the agile framework in the wrong way, uh -huh. or did it has other causes or effects? Yeah. Let me first caution against wrong KPIs that people use. I mean, we, we all know the the stuff where we think uh, how much how much can a a team produce in a sprint if you work with Scrum, like the velocity typically and something like that. That's not a KPI. That's not useful. That's a useful metric to have for the team to to know what they're doing, but it's not uh, something that that tells you about the success or or not success of agility. Also, please don't count the number of teams that were already trained in a framework or the number of teams who I, I had that in a big company. They, a European company, they renamed or they they had the KPI of how many teams are already squats. They used the, the Spotify model back then. And Italy won. The, the country of Italy won, actually, um, because they just in one week renamed all their teams to squats without doing anything different. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you rely on these KPIs, you are probably more doing a waterfall approach to the agile transformation. You, you're training one team after the other, and that's what we call vanity metrics. They give you a fake sense of progress while you might not make any progress. So then what are good KPIs? Something that obviously changes over time and, and, and improves over time usually is uh, quality. So you can you can track like defect rate or um, how fast you can recover from a, from a problem, something like that. Um, these are good good metrics to watch. They might not improve immediately. They might actually go they might actually become worse initially, but then they should improve over time. But the better metrics that I have seen is um, if you come into a company and you hear people laughing, <laughs> you think that these are not teams, but just a group of friends working together. You cannot identify the boss of the team and you hear a lot of laughter. Um, or, and sometimes you hear them argue violently about the topic. Um, then these are good signs. I mean, the the I can when we were still in the office, I could just gosh from the from the noise level I heard from from and and the kinds of noises I heard, how agile they were and how good how well performing the teams were. Because if you have that trusted environment that um, that allows mistakes, that allows innovation, that allows high performance, that allows decentralized decision making, all the stuff that we mention in agility. Um, then it it feels more like a group of friends. You don't have to be friends with everybody at work, but it feels like that. And um, they will openly speak to each other. They will admit if they didn't understand something. They will utter stupid ideas without fearing that their hat gets ripped off. If they make a mistake, it's not punished because we win as a team, we lose as a team. So... You, you can feel that. There's no hard metric that you can measure somewhere, but it's the, the, the feeling that you get, like from, from how much are they laughing and how much, um, or can you identify a boss in the team? Or um, another good metric is, do they argue? Are they fighting? I mean, verbally fighting, not physically, fight, physically fighting. Um, that's a good sign because... Uh, a problem of non 
performing teams is artificial harmony. Like they don't they don't attack each other because they are not it's not worth it for them. Like they, they don't argue about the best solution. The good teams, they argue passionately about the best solution and they don't spare each other with that. They don't spare their boss. They they argue and they they go for the best solution for the best value for the customer. And um, important, of course, is always that they don't attack the person, the other person. So basically that they can have a coffee or a beer afterwards. That's a good sign. And this is actually more the kind of metric I go for to see how far along the lines in the direction of agility a company is. I, I love the part that you're showing off the wrong KPIs companies or people tend to use and the ones you focus on. And I feel it's way harder to implement and track these, would call them sympathy and team dynamic KPI, which is rather soft because you have to observe how the dynamic is, whether they are laughing, whether they're working together intended or how it feels like. And I loved our whole agile coaching interview today. Uh, looking at the time, we'd love to give you one last time the stage. How would you like to close our podcast for, for today? I would just like everybody to take away from this that agility is more than just frameworks. That it's much more. It's it's Ultimately, it's kind of a way of life, a way of looking at other people, looking at the world. And once you understand that, you will look at your company differently. You will understand that some processes, some organizational uh, things that you have in place are no longer needed under that assumption. And then the organization will change, your workflows might change, but that's all an effect of you looking at other people differently. Thank you so much, Matthias. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the New Tech Lead podcast. This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the New Tech Lead production team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, check us out on LinkedIn, or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.